I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Welcome into the Saturday show, everybody. Hope you all are doing well. Michelle Bodkin over there, Utah Utes Insider for KSLSports.com. Jake Hatch here, regular Joe talking on the radio. I don't have a fancy title like you, Michelle, but oh, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing well. I uh, hope everybody out there is doing well as well. Uh, Sarah is back in the saddle today producing for us. Sarah, what's up? Nothing much. Thanks I'm for stopping by. You know, Happy to be here this time, actually. <laughs> it's okay. Hey, things happen. So no, thanks. Thanks for thanks for coming in. Uh, we got a lot to cover on today's show. Got a special guest, Michelle. This is all on you, obviously, and this is a big get, I think. Uh, Hank Mondaka. Did I mm-hmm. pronounce that correctly? Yeah. Former University of Utah punter. He's doing some really cool things in the camp space, especially mm-hmm. for underprivileged athletes. Excited to catch up with him. Yeah. No. What what he's doing is really cool, uh, and it's going to have a particularly special twist this go around so very excited about what's happening here and uh, to kind of give you all some information on it awesome looking forward to that Uh, we're going to talk plenty of NBA draft at the end of the NBA season Um, apparently uh, did you see what happened in Denver with their with their parade they're equal parts people say like taking pictures of their parade saying like see there's like there's like no Denver fans actually out there, but they actually had quite a few fans out. People were taking weird pictures and trying to like downgrade their their parade they were having to celebrate their NBA title. Gosh, that kind of sounds like Utah fans <laughs> always waiting for the other shoe to drop. <laughs> it just made me chuckle when I saw that. I'm like, there's lots of people, whatever. Like, celebrate how you're going to celebrate. But we'll talk about that. Talk some NBA draft. Uh, but we got also a need to talk about uh, San Diego State's trying to engineer their way out of the Mountain West Conference, but without a clear landing spot and they're at least that's how it appears yeah. to the outside based on the reports yeah no doubt about that so we'll talk about that but as we are want to do as we start each show what was the highlight of y'all's week let's start off with you michelle unless sarah's got something she's dying to get off her chest <laughs> nope go ahead um 
overall, I don't know, just overall really good week. It was it was kind of a a good week for me. I felt like there were good stories in the in the Utah sphere to kind of play with and uh I I was asked to do uh the first interview for Kyle Brennan uh since oh, nice. since he resigned at uh Illinois State uh, mm-hmm. and then obviously took the CEO job with the Crimson Collective. Um I thank you, thank you, thank you for asking me to be the first to do that. Uh, and hopefully that's the first of many mm-hmm. of those interviews uh, and building that relationship. But um, so that was really cool. And uh, went to the Powder League last night. That was fun, too. And I saw your post on uh, KSL Sports yeah, and Instagram feed. Yeah. Uh, I caught up with Dre Lewis, who's a friend of the program. And, okay. you know, it's always good to see some of those former guys come through and do what they do. Well, and the thing about the Powder League, it's just a fun thing. Cause there's some high-level players that show up, and they're 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 playing all out. It's fun. It's a fun thing. If you have not been out to the Powder League, I encourage you to give that a shot. Sarah, what do you got for us? This week? What was a highlight of your week? Well, I spent most of, most of the week recovering from a weird stomach bug, but I did get to record a podcast with a friend, and I'm gonna be co-hosting with her from now on so that was really fun i did listen to it by the way (laughs) which is really funny because it's definitely the target audience is definitely not 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 me (laughs) it's definitely females but um i appreciate you listening oh i i hey here's the thing i listen to a lot of podcasts i have a i have a decent commute coming in and out of the out of the studio and everything and that's what i listened to and when you said you were on a podcast i pulled it up immediately i was on my drive home the day you told me about it i listened to it on my drive home so uh funny to hear you guys talking about the uh the the messy situation yes and you guys had a completely different take than almost anybody i've heard talk about it but, yeah but your point is well taken it's not meant for Mid thirties, dad of two, Jay Catch over here. Like, but that's okay. It's not. A, a, there needs to be different outlets for different people. Yeah, that was kind of her thought process through it. Was she wanted to target females mm-hmm. who are like casual sports fans, so they may not want to get into the nitty gritty of stats and all that kind of stuff, <laughs> but still want to know what's happening in the sports sure. world, kind of. Yeah. And so that's very much what it is. But it's it's kind of fun, and I'm excited to be a part of it. That's very I, cool. I will continue to listen, and I, I, I appreciate, like, outside-the-box takes of what I usually get, like, when it comes to sports talk radio and podcasts I listen to. It was, it was, you guys did a good job, by the way. It was fun. I appreciate it. So. it was, I was a little nervous because I was like, I haven't done this before, but the show is very much how me and her already talk okay. on, like, a normal basis. So that's it was perfect. kind of just riding a bike. Yeah. Lots of topics covered very quickly, but at the same time entertaining. I, I thought it was I thought it was fun. Anyway, so have to check this out. What's the name of it so people if they want to check it out? It's called Calling the Shots. Okay. okay. So yeah, you can get it anywhere. Um, we also have it on YouTube. So if you want to see us, mm. you can also see us. So. <laughs> it's the new future for podcasts. Trust me, I, it is. I do my locked on Cougars one, and, and they're like, "Hey, you need to move over to YouTube." And I'm like, "People don't want to look at my face talking about it," but. It's incredible how much more reach it gets when they have a video component with it. Anyways, uh, highlight of my week, I was actually uh, able to stop by the Bonneville Golf Classic earlier this week on Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
a lot of our big clients hitting Bonneville broadcast for Salt Lake Market. Uh, fun to see them, just interact with them a little bit. It's 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 fun. So I was out there. I didn't spend the entire day out there, but it was good to see a bunch of people showing up, and it was just fun to kind of mill around a little bit. So kind of and come on, I got to hang out on a golf course. And, well, and as someone pointed out to me, the weather infinitely better oh. this go around than last year. Okay, so I so last year I intended to go up there. I drove over to Bonneville after I got done here at the station. <laughs> got there last year and looked at the weather and said, "Nope, nope." And I literally <laughs> left. <laughs> I, probably, probably a bad employee to do that, but I was just like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm out." And. It was it was just fun. It was a lot of good people out there. Good to see a bunch of our people that we interact with on a day to day basis. And uh, I still have dreams of flying in Chopper Five at some point in my life. Oh yeah! It was on the golf course that they landed. They took off right as they were starting the tournament. I'm like, uh, one day, one day, I'm gonna fly in that bad boy. <laughs> yeah, invite us. <laughs> I'm act- not. I'm not sure for what reason, but just invite us. They, well, yeah, they they <laughs> raffled off a, like a free ride in it. It was one of the raffles they were doing for one of the holes. I'm like. Can I enter that? Like, no. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, all we have to do is come up with a story that makes uh-huh. sense. Hmm. Brainstorm. We'll, we'll, we'll brainstorm, brainstorm this. Yeah. You could do like an aerial view of the breaking ground of a new baseball park. Ooh. Oh, there. Something you go. like that. We get. You're footage. smart. Look at this. Yeah. yeah. That that podcast has got you got <laughs> wise to. Yeah, someone needs to write an article. They need aerial pictures. They get sent totally. up there. You know, totally. That's not wasteful spending at all. Not at all. It's not like it's not like that. That chopper has HD cameras mounted on every side of it that don't need me to run it. Hey. <laughs> I want to go anyways. Let's do this thing. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll find some way to make it happen. All right. Uh, so without further ado, let's actually get to the meat and potatoes portion of today's show. Let's get to what's the big deal. Do you know who I am? No, I, I can't say that I do. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Really? People know me. Well, I'm very happy for you. I'm very important. Uh, I have many leather-bound books, and my apartment smells of rich mahogany. <laughs> All right, uh, let's dive in and talk a little bit about what's going on in college football, Michelle. Yesterday, a little bit of an interesting report from Pete Thamel, ESPN's uh, College Football Insider, saying that uh, San Diego State had sent a letter to the Mountain West Conference uh, that was originally thought they were essentially resigning, we're Mm -hmm. we're, we're leaving the conference. That's how the Mountain West took it. Then they sent a follow-up letter, no, 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 no. We're not leaving quite yet. (laughs) But we would like, you know, to have a, a an extra month to make our decision on what we're going to do. And oh, by the way, we also want to negotiate the buyout price. Where do you sit on all of this? It, I would have to imagine they're not letting the Mountain West Conference know that if they don't have a pretty good idea. Now, the report did go on to say that no official invite and I think most people's train of thought is that this invite's going to come from the Pac-12. But there yeah. there has been some discussion about the Big 12 as well. Um, but ne- neither of them have extended an invite, at least that any of us are aware Correct. of. Yes. Um, again, I, I have my suspicions. They probably wouldn't do that if they weren't pretty sure. That's a really scary business move if, if you don't have a yeah. pretty good idea. Um, that this is, in fact, coming down the pipeline. Uh, so it, 
again, it kind of feels like may maybe we're on the verge of kind of wrapping things up here with whatever this Pac-12 thing has been. Uh, but obviously, there's still some more steps that need to happen and take place. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, it's just, I think, one more kind of clue to keep watching and and monitoring uh, because it does feel like maybe something's going to actually happen with this situation. And yes, I see. I agree with you. You don't you don't send a letter like that if you're San Diego State without having an idea of what's coming. I would at least I would hope not. But at the same <laughs> time, I I look at San Diego State and the quote. Uh, they asked Mountain West for, quote, a one-month extension to get given unforeseen delays involving other collegiate athletic conferences beyond our control, unquote. If I'm the Mountain West Conference, I'm like, hey, you know that date on June 30 that, you know, the seven, it's, it's like 16 and a half or seven, yeah, 16 and a half million to nearly 34 million it's yeah. between June 30 and July 1. Like, you're potentially owing double what you would owe to leave the conference. But the the situation is, why would the Mountain West Conference acquiesce to this request? I, I and I had the same thought. I was like, "Wow, that's a uh, that's pretty ballsy yeah. to ask for that." OPS, we're probably leaving. Yeah. Uh, but could you do us a solid? Hey, <laughs> save yeah. us some money and and give us a little more wiggle room on the con. Yeah. I I don't know about I. Here, here's the thing. Like again, this is all very new to me. I don't know how these contracts and negotiations work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did see someone point out that technically Houston did a similar-ish thing with the Big Twelve invite. I would have to look into that a little bit more. Uh, so I guess this is kind of sort of a thing, but it seems at least to an outsider that does not do that kind of stuff for a living, it seems very odd to me. See, and see, I made this analogy on Twitter yesterday. So this is the quote. I, I put this out there because I was thinking about like, this screams to me. Like, So th- here it is. Quote, so listen, I'm going to go hang out with this other group, but I need you to let me hang out with you until they figure out what they're doing. That's totally cool with you, right? <laughs> I'm not saying I've never been in that situation ever in my life. I have. But it. That this is what that screams to me. Yeah. So we're 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 going over here more than likely, but we're gonna st- on the off chance that we don't. Can we- we're just gonna we're just gonna hang out with you guys just until they figure out what they're. And that's the thing. The rest of the Mountain West got to be thinking. Okay, move along. Like, it, right. Yeah. Uh, if if you really feel that strongly that you're out the door, then just be out the door. Yeah, and they're also arguing that they made $10 million in future NCAA, NCAA tournament credit uh, units, is that what they call them, not credits, they're units, that roughly would equal $10 million they won't take with them to a new conference it's, as a reason for them to have their buyout bought down. But here's the thing, if you're the Mountain West Conference, you're like, great for doing that, but we... That's sixteen and a half million dollars. We're we're expecting a wire payment. Like, yeah. get it done. They also want to like delay it for four. They want to spend spread it out over four years. Whatever the circumstances are, if San Diego State made this move as rash as it may appear on paper, or at least based on the reporting, you have to have that money secured. You have to have that money ready to roll. Mm-hmm. And maybe they do, and they're just trying to posture themselves and try and get it cut down a little bit. Yeah. 
But at the same time, you're you're making, as you mentioned, a very ballsy decision to go out there and proclaim to the world, hey, by the way, we're more than likely leaving. Yeah. But <laughs> hey, we like need we're gone. <laughs> we need um this is like I saw I think Jeff Hansen, Rakudu Ten on Twitter also mentions this is a two week notice for you guys, but it, May need to make it six weeks. Yeah. That, that's that, that's fine. Like right, and the Mountain West Conference would be thinking, no, like, <laughs> this is not cool. Yeah, why should why should we help you <laughs> when you're going to leave us? Like that's the thing about this. It, it's such a weird situation. But to your other point, you mentioned this. It maybe feels like something's actually going to make a move here. Yeah. Now the reporting does say out there, and I've read the various ones out there that no moves by the Pact will be done until they secure their current media rights negotiations and get that all signed, sealed, and delivered. So if they're to me, that screams, okay, San Jose understands maybe it's not going to be done by June 30. That's why they're asking for this extension. But at the same time, you and I have talked about this enough on this show. The delays in the Pact media rights, even given another month, can we be sure that in the next six weeks, stuff's going to be done? I, I mean, it's hard to say. Yeah. And, and again, it's this is really, I think, coming more from we're on the outside looking in and we're impatient and, and we don't see or necessarily know all the work that has to be done to go in to get this done. But we keep hearing little nuggets of, oh, it's it's close. Oh, we think we know what we're. Oh, 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 but we got to push it back. And I think those of us on the outside, again, because people are impatient, are like, can we just be done with this? Uh, Whereas on the inside, I don't know. I don't know that they necessarily feel as strongly about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I think the Pac-12 CEO group is more of the opinion we're going to get this right. And if we have to keep pushing the timeline back, well, we've basically got another year on this contract, sure, so let's yeah. go. Yeah, they can they push it as um, long as they really need to to make sure that, as you point out, to get it to where they want it to be. Continued. But, but from our standpoint, it's annoying. Well, like, sure, it's it's annoying. But part of it's because we don't really know what what these conversations are. We don't really know what the holdup is. We don't know why there's a holdup. And it's just uh, we're re- I think outsiders are ready to be done with it. Yeah, on the inside. I don't. I I have heard some, heard some talk that they think it's actually kind of funny. Well, I mean, sure. Okay. <laughs> if you're the Pac-12, I know that it can be uh, irritating to continue to have your name, quote unquote, dragged through the mud. But there are there's multiple studies out there that having your name in the headlines, no matter good, bad, or indifferent, yeah. It's actually not a bad thing for you. Like it's, it's a, you're continuing to be talked about. You stay relevant that way. So, yeah, mm-hmm. to their point, there may be someone that you're like, oh, it's kind of funny to be continue to have this kind of drag on and on and on. Uh, you know, someday I would love to, like, get the full story of what this is. An and oral I, history. An oral history, so to speak. <laughs> and I, as annoyed as I kind of am in the moment, mm-hmm. I can see myself, like, five years from now getting this story and hearing, like, I so hope there's an element of, oh, yeah, it was done for a while. We just <laughs> we just wanted to make the rest of you spin your wheels. That's probably not the case, I w- just, just yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it doesn't but, seem like that. But it would make me laugh if that were, like, the academics are poking fun at the rest <laughs> of us. <laughs> 
Well, sure, and that 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 very well could be the case. Like that, I don't. I'm with you. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't be think shocked. so because they the the ruse would have been up by at this point. Like they would have been like, hey, you know what? It's done here. This you is go. this is just my wild imagination making up scenarios. Like thinking about it from the standpoint of if this were to be made into a movie, <laughs> like what what would the writers put in? Oh. to exaggerate this and make it feel just extra. They would have so many. So many things. The other thing about this is this gives a big opportunity to multiple people to continue to write stories about it, but at the same time, it continues to keep the the Pac-12 in its in the headlines. Now, with regards, going back to the San Diego State thing, there were a lot of people out there, and I saw people postulate, well, could Brett Yormark in the Big 12 swoop in and scoop up San Diego State? That still could happen, but in this story, in the ESPN story in particular, it does say here, the school has been part of the Big 12's realignment exploration, and there have been conversations per a source, but sources say neither side has prioritized the other at this point. San Diego State has full intentions of being in the Pac-12, as I think they should, because it fits geographically with what they're doing. They actually become the Southern California outpost, I guess, mm-hmm. in a way. They, they lock down that market as much as they possibly can for the Pac-12. Having to go potentially to UCF and West Virginia and the Big 12, not necessarily as attractive. But if, for whatever reason, the, the Pac-12 doesn't come through for X number of reasons over here. We, we, we've talked yeah. about so many different reasons that things could happen. This could be where the San Diego State has to pivot and be like, hey, your mark. <laughs> you know, th- those conversations that we had earlier. That, we are you interested. Know, we, we maybe weren't as interested. We're interested. Yeah. I just, th- to me, the, the decision here and the, to go out and tell the Mountain West, like it was June 13th. So earlier this week, they sent that letter. Uh, the, the funny thing is Mountain West responded informing the school in the letter Wednesday. The conference had accepted the letter of withdrawal and the consequences of the move had begun. Also, San Diego State's like, whoa, whoa, the letter was just to, you know, we want to look at our options. We were just politely letting you know yeah, that, that this might be coming down the pipeline. But no promises. That's the thing about this. I'm with you. Your original <laughs> premise, and I probably wasted an entire segment talking about it to go back to this point. They have to have an idea of what's yeah. coming down the pipeline. Uh, and and the, con- the limited conversations I've been able to have on the topic, I, this is nothing new to me. Uh, I've been told for months that San Diego State and likely SMU, although that conversation feels like it's cooled down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's people that still think that SMUs may be involved as well. But definitely San Diego State sure. has been put on kind of realignment alerts. <laughs> like so yeah. so they've been sitting and waiting for a while. I would assume there's been, you know, some pretty pretty concrete conversations uh and again normally i would not put a lot of weight in what a coach says uh but asking asking about the overall health of the san diego state athletic department and getting a response from the softball Mm -hmm. coach that they think they're going to be in a p5 again i don't think that happens unless some pretty serious conversations have taken place and and there's a level of surety that this is going to ultimately come down the pipeline sure and that that's the thing about this is you you don't make this bold of a move without having at least a fairly good idea your softball coach is not publicly talking about you know there's just little things 
um, that kind of, to me, indicate this is a thing. Yes. Now, how quickly this thing will happen. TBD. Uh. Yeah. That, 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 that's kind of the question of like where ultimately we're, we're, we're already kind of months into this. Like I said, this is something I think I was told about to watch for, gosh, probably towards the beginning of the year. Okay. So, I mean, like this, this has been a thing for a minute. And that's the, it'll continue until it actually is resolved and Mm -hmm. we, we all are able to move on with this, but this this was just kind of an interesting thing to come out on a Friday to be like, hey, by the way, uh, we sent a letter and like the, uh, they probably didn't necessarily mean for it to get out. But obviously, as we've seen in the history of the Mountain West Conference, when schools try to leave, which San Diego State has tried before, if you recall in 20 – was that 2010? The summer of realignment in 2010 or 2011, they announced they were going to the Big East Conference. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, uh, you didn't know this part of the story? I mean, I probably did, and yeah. I just forgot it because I was so caught up in the Utah BYU drama. Yeah, so, when Utah State, yeah, yeah. So, oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was twenty eleven. So twenty eleven announcement. I remember this vividly. San Diego State agreed to join the Big East as a football only member starting in July twenty thirteen. Huh. In January of twenty thirteen, after the Big East blew up and right. fell by the right. wayside, and they became just basketball only, Mountain West presidents voted to allow San Diego State to return to all sports in the league. Like all was smoothed over at least for the time being, and San Diego State's gone on to have some. Bigger success in men's basketball, obviously. Football's been. Football's had its moments. Yeah, but it hasn't been elite. But that's the thing about this is you don't go out and announce to the Mountain West Conference where you've called home for decades at this point that you're like, hey, by the way, we're going to withdraw. And. It just it screams to me that they think that the the Pac-12 is going to seal up its media rights here pretty quick, and then it's going to pivot to expansion. And to your point, it could be San Diego State and SMU, or let's say the rumors in, of Colorado are true, and Colorado is considering jumping back to the Big 12. Well, guess what? A natural addition right back to fill their yeah. slot is San Diego State. There's there's multiple scenarios here that involve San Diego State, and I think probably is the impetus for them deciding. You know what? We're going to send this letter right now. Yeah, yeah. It, it again. It, it feels like we're starting to march towards some clarity. Yes. The the grant of rights being agreed upon. Mm-hmm. San Diego State making this declaration. Um. It, it it feels like things are starting to line up and the pictures becoming yeah. clearer. Uh, but but we'll see. Yeah, we'll it, see. It's it's the drama is to be continued. <laughs> Continue to give us stories to talk about. There's no doubt about that. <sighs> All right. Uh, so we will come back on the other side. I want to talk a little bit about what's going on with the NBA draft. That's the fun part about this is there's a lot going on on that front. Uh, by the way, Utah Jazz, did you see Ryan Smith last night? I think I it, that they're doing a they're, party at the open, Delta Center. They're going to yeah. open it up. I actually saw it just before I walked in here. So but, we'll talk a little bit about fine. that. We'll talk about the, what uh, ultimately the Jazz may ultimately do in the NBA draft. We'll have to cover on that front. So we'll get to all that coming up next. This is the Saturday show right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. 
I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome into the Saturday show. Hope you all are doing well on this Saturday morning. Michelle Bodkin, Jake Hedge along for the ride, and Sarah right back to the country roots producing today. Thank you for that. Just a little Shania Twain. You keep that rolling. Like, we don't mind. <laughs> a little Shania. Come on now. Great stuff. All right. Uh, so obviously it is NBA draft season. By the way, congratulations to the Denver Nuggets uh, winning their first NBA title in franchise history. Uh, fun to see them celebrating and uh, it was funny to watch, uh, like, you, I don't know if you saw the parade at all, Michelle, but you had Nikola Jokic out there, and as typical, his daughter stole the show. Oh, really? Yeah, she, cute little thing. Aww. He was having a great time, and he had said that after the things, like, I got to go home. Like, he wanted to go back to Serbia. He's got uh, his horses he got to attend to and that type of stuff. He's like, he decided, you know what, I'm just going to hang out and... Uh, he said he had a great time on the parade. Actually, wanted to, it to continue after it concluded. So, uh, congratulations to them. But now all eyes turn towards the NBA draft. Obviously, we're all expecting a Big Vic, as PK calls him, Victor Wembanyama, to be the first overall pick in the draft. But after that, considering the trade rumors out there, Michelle, from two on down, there could be trades. There could be all kinds of hijinks going on in this NBA draft. It sounds like how much. I guess first off. How much do you care about the NBA draft? Because I, it's one that I enjoy because it's pretty compact. It's not like the NFL draft where it's spread over three days. It's combined to one night. It's two rounds. And these players, especially in the first round, they're going to be guys you're going to see on the court and be very visible pretty quick. It honestly depends on the year. Okay. If if Utah has someone that potentially is going to get drafted, then I tend to pay a lot more attention just because, again, that's, that's where yeah. – where my beat, that's what, what I kind of have to be on top of the most. And if I don't have to be on top of something, <laughs> I let it go. Uh, but, I mean, there's always some curiosity there, especially, again, having a local NBA team. Um, always interesting to just hear the chatter mm-hmm. um, and, and just kind of see how things fall out and how jazz fans react. And especially now having a radio show where I have to talk about it a little bit, <laughs> sure. like yeah. it, it's a good thing to, to be at least minutely aware of. I do agree. I like that they get through it a lot faster, yeah. uh, but that's interesting that you said that there's the potential for um, some movement there. I would have to assume that could greatly benefit the Jazz. Well, and that's the thing about it. the Jazz could be involved in any of this. There, there are just there. There are rumors out there involving. I said, like I said, after after the number one pick, because if San Diego, not San Diego, I got San Diego State on the brain still. If San Antonio does not take Victor Wembanyama, it may be the biggest like non draft pick in NBA history, and that includes Michael Jordan going after Sam Bowie in 1984. Like, it just you don't miss out on that guy. Mm-hmm. But after that, it, it, just reading what I've read about the draft, it sounds like there is it, there is at least the thought process on, okay, 
Who do you take with number two? If you stick with that number two spot, if you're Charlotte, do you move out of that spot? Portland apparently is considering dangling the number three spot to find a player to pair with Dame to hopefully make a run at an NBA title. Uh, Houston, they're in asset accumulation mode. It feels like yet again, even though they've got so much young talent that needs some direction. And then, then you finally get to Detroit, who had the worst record in the league this year. They're all the way stuck at number five, and they're like, all right, what do we got? We got Monty Williams. We just hired him, paid him a lot of money to be our head coach. But can we find another piece to go kind of go in the puzzle we've got here? There's a lot of intrigue. But then the, all the way down at number nine, you have the Jazz sitting there with their treasure trove of assets. We all know the draft picks they've accumulated, the cap space that they have. Could they see some of this maybe fluctuating on draft night and say, you know what? We're striking while the iron's hot we're, and we're making the move up. That That's my question is, how aggressive will the Jazz be? And they have the three first-round picks already. They go 9, 16, and 28, Michelle. So right. they can pair those to make a move. I'm just wondering if we hear as much... Uh, okay. I'm wondering how much moving there actually will be draft night as compared to what we're hearing in the lead-up to it. Right. And if so, do the Jazz say, you know what? We're hopping in on this and let's make a move. Well, so to tie in something else that off-air you said that mm-hmm. you wanted to kind of talk about and yeah. bring up is Ryan Smith all of a sudden hosting this party. I feel like you don't do something like that unless you're planning on doing something big. Otherwise, it's kind of, eh. Well, yeah, Why, why, Why would you bother, you know, going big and inviting people out to come and enjoy this thing if you're not going to do something that's worth talking about? Yeah, and there's no doubt about that. And here's the thing about this. So uh, Ryan responded to a tweet. So Von Zip, Cap Neil one said, hey, Ryan Qualtrics, can I ask a question out of curiosity? Why no draft party at the D.C., speaking of the Delta Center this year? Uh, it seems like a great year for one. Is it a bad ROI or just something that the organization would rather not do? I'm genuinely curious, as are a lot of fans, and not trying to be critical. Ryan responds, there's a massive vert ramp on the floor of the arena for Friday's event. Uh, Tony Hawk is bringing a free event, by the way, to the Delta Center. You can watch him and other uh, pro skaters like fly off a gigantic vert ramp, apparently. <laughs> so that's going to be on the floor. Because if you don't care, we could throw the draft up on the jumbo and let everyone in. Get J-Dogs cooking who's in. And as jazz fans are wont to do, they, they and I respond, I'm like, me? I'm in. Like, <laughs> But that's the thing about this. He, the things, then later on... A guy named Joe Shannon, a Jigga Jazz man, responded, I'm in, open the concession stands and lower level seats, put the NBA draft on the Jumbotron, sounds like a party, and then we do it all over again, fri- do it all over again Friday with Tony Hawk for his Vert Alert event, which is going to be on mm-hmm. the f- all set up. Then Ryan quote tweeted that, this is 14 hours ago, okay, let's go. June 22nd, draft party at Delta Center, doors at 5 during through the main entrance, yeah. uh, and then... Draft on the Jumbotron and free J-Dogs for everybody. Somebody asked him later how many J-Dogs are going to be available. Jason, who is the founder of J-Dogs, he runs it, said he could cook up 10,000. Oh, my gosh. That is a lot of hot dogs. Yeah. Well, and if you had a J-Dog, have you had a J-Dog? I have, I'm not a huge hot dog person, so that's like not my my meal of the, choice. The, the older I get, I'm with you. Uh, J-Dog, uh, hot dogs in general are not my thing. I still love me some J Dogs. Oh, Sarah's apparently all the in. special sauce. I'm like just just drowned it it's, in the sauce for it's me. It's the stickiest stuff known to man. I don't uh-huh. know if you've got it in your hands. Like it, it could be cement. Oh yeah, you can't get it off. <laughs> it's just it's sticky. It's incredible though. Huh. So they're they're going to make a move here, and I'm with you. Going back to your point, yeah. I just wanted to kind of lay out how how it kind of evolved last night. The you're planning on making a pick. 
Yeah. And having, I'm sure there will be people like an MC on the floor or something like that hyping up. But they don't do that without thinking, you know what, we're going to do something. And even if they just stick at nine, that's still a top 10 pick. Right. But yeah, I just, I, it makes me think and feel and wonder that, yeah, may, maybe they are going to be a little aggressive. Yeah. Maybe they are going to strike while the iron's hot, you know, m- maybe they think they have a way to get, you know, a splashier name either mm-hmm. by doing some trading sure. or they just feel like someone's going to fall to them at, at number nine. But I, to me, there has to be. A plan again. You don't, you don't open things up and try and throw this party if it's just going to be blah, whatever. Sure, and that's the thing about this. Yeah, you're not, you're not going to just not. You're, yeah, you're not going to open up the doors to your arena and be like, all right, we're not doing anything. Otherwise, Jazz Twitter is going to be so ugly. Jazz fans there are going to be <laughs> unhappy. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. You opened your doors through this party and that's what you did? Okay. And this is the first time in my memory of this as well in the lead up to this draft, and this is just kind of how Danny Ainge operates, is they shut down. Like We, we traditionally have been given opportunity as a media core to go out and talk to jazz players who have come in for workouts the jazz have not publicized who they have worked out it has come either through the players themselves on on social media or Mm -hmm. it's come through their agents about who's actually come to salt lake to work out but we've not been given the access because the jazz are keeping it very close to the vest danny has the reputation of being trader janny trader danny for a reason because he is a guy who loves to wheel and deal and find the best. He he doesn't make trades that he doesn't think are in his best interest. And he's the CEO of the Utah Jazz. He is the guy who has, is calling all the shots. Obviously, he has a guy like Justin Zanuck working alongside him, mm-hmm. as well as the other personnel in the front office. But he's the ultimately guy pulling the strings here. I'm just wondering, okay, they kept this very secretive. Do they have somebody or some buddies in mind here that, yes, yeah, should Things start to really start moving at two or three or four there, and you start seeing kind of the movement happen, and you're like, all right. Yeah, and you're reading the, you're obviously reading the tea leaves, getting intel from other teams about who they're going after. Then you're like, okay, do we risk losing this guy if we don't make a move? And that's when Danny goes into full trader Danny mode. He starts making phone calls, starts wheeling and dealing, and that's when the Jazz could ultimately make their move. I think that they've been very uh, deliberate in this process getting ready for it, because they know that this draft could have a lot of consequence for the near-term future, what the Jazz will look like. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, the se- the secrecy is a little interesting. Uh, sounds like the ninja recruiting that sometimes takes place up, up at Utah. Well, um, BYU does it too. Like they, 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 Here's the thing. I, I call BYU and Utah bellwether schools because other universities, and you know this as well as mm-hmm. I do, Michelle, as soon as either BYU or Utah, and in some cases both of them, offer an athlete, you see like an avalanche of offers coming from other schools. Cause the More of the blue bloods. There's a lot clear. of them say, okay, if BYU and Utah are willing to take on this kid. Well, yeah, what did we miss? They, they, let's, they, let's circle back if, around if, to if that. They, if they sign off on this kid, why are we not signing off on this kid? And so that's the thing about this. People respect Danny Ainge. They also mm-hmm. revile him because he continues to just pull off. All, like, okay. Love Rudy Gobert. Mm-hmm. And great dude, really represented this franchise well. Danny got an absolute haul for that dude sending him to Minnesota. Yeah. Like, it looks like right now he absolutely ripped off Minnesota in, in that deal, getting the first round picks that they got and the players in return, all that. And he did move some of them on pretty quickly after that. 
He is going to do what he is in his best interest. And Ryan's kind of given him the mandate, speaking of Ryan Smith. He wants to win a title. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're trying to build this. Is it going to happen next year? No. Pro- probably not. No. Probably it, not. It feels like the window's open for, for Denver yeah. to maybe rule for a little bit here. But the Jazz have got to be thinking, okay, we found at least, I think they found two pieces last year. I think you found Walker Kessler and you found Lowry Markkinen. Like, mm-hmm. Okay, both of those guys. Okay, we have two really nice pieces here. Now we need to go about supplementing that. A lot of rumors out there involving them wanting to go out and get a get a point guard. Uh, Bilal Koulibaly, which is, by the way, one of the funnest names to say in the draft, Bilal Koulibaly. He's, he played with Victor Wimbanyama in France. They're on the same okay. team. Mm-hmm. He has just absolutely rocketed up draft boards. And we've had a couple of draft experts on the station who have said that they they really connect the Jazz to this guy. So there, there there's a lot of intrigue with what the Jazz are going to do. But to your point, I don't think Ryan's like, you know what I'm going to do? We're going to get all the people and pay them all the wages to come in. Because they have to have like, the security teams yep. there. they got to have the ushers. they they got to pay all those people to come do this event. You don't do that with thinking, you know what we're going to do? We're going to trade back in the draft. Yeah. <laughs> We're we're not actually going to do anything terribly <laughs> drastic to help our roster in this draft. Uh, everything we choose to do is just going to be okay mm-hmm. at best. Yeah, no, I it to me it makes me feel like they have something up their sleeve. They they know they know something that the rest of us are waiting to find out. Uh, and like I said, you just don't. I just don't think you make a big show of it if you're not planning on doing something that's yeah. going to be exciting and really get your fans talking. And see, and that that's kind of where I sit with you is that you, you, you're right. You don't, you don't generate this excitement and then fall flat. It's mm-hmm. the whole, it's the whole idea of don't over promise and under deliver. Mm-hmm. Like under deliver and over, under promise over deliver. Mm-hmm. That's, it's just, you, you want to create a buzz with it. And so we'll see what happens. I, I just know this. Don't be surprised by anything the jazz do on draft night. Like that's the thing about this. They and there's one other thing is that a lot of people think that the Jazz aren't going to take all three picks. I'm falling more in line with what Ben Anderson and Sarah. You can kind of weigh in on this. Correct me if I'm wrong on Ben's take on this. Ben thinks they're going to draft all three players. Like he thinks they're going to use all three picks at nine, sixteen, and twenty. Even if they do make them, like, he he thinks that he thinks that if they hold the three picks, they will still pick three players there because there is some thought out there that next year's draft is pretty weak, lean. Yeah, like there's not there's not just bit right now projecting ahead. Right. It doesn't look as strong as this year's draft. So the Jazz may think, hey, that 28th pick in most years might be in in a way you're a, a role player, mm-hmm. but this year's 28th pick may be infinitely better than next year's 15th pick. And that's your thought is we're getting a 15th. In, am I am I right in this assessment, Sarah? I think I'm, I am. Like the thought is that. They're getting a player at 28 this year that probably is 15th next year, so therefore the draft value on them is better. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Did I get that right? You've been producing their show. Yeah, that sounds about (laughs) – sometimes I get a little lost in all the numbers, but from what I understand, yeah, that sounds right. And Locke was the one who says that's probably the most practical and logical move is to use all three picks. It'll be interesting, but they do have the three picks to work with. Yeah. Along with – a treasure trove of other assets. Right, yeah. Things like, that can be traded away, packages, yeah. blah, 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 yeah. yeah. You can you can make the moves, well, in theory. The Jazz have the pieces or the, the assets to make moves that they deem are in their best interest as they move forward here. So it's going to be an interesting draft ahead. But, hey, if you want to come out, uh, the best part is you can hit two draft parties in one night. 
because we're having one yeah. here uh, with the zone. It's going to be at the break, which is literally I, I'm across dead serious. Literally across <laughs> the street from the Delta Center. Stop by. Uh, say hi to all of our personalities. We're going to have people out there all night long. Ben, Jake. Starting uh, at 3 p.m. Three p- uh, so Unrivaled's going to be there broadcasting live. DJ PK are going to stop by. Uh, I'm sure Hans, Scotty will be there. It, it's going to be a fun thing. And then, uh, yeah, if you do want, if you get done there, you can just wander over to the Delta Center and hang out there, too, and get some free J-Dogs, apparently. So could be a night full of food. Let's just put it that way. Woof. <laughs> In the best way possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the best, I, I, I say that in the best way possible. Because who yeah. doesn't love to stuff their face? I know I do. Exactly. So we'll see what happens. All right. And we'll have, of course, full coverage. We're going to do a live broadcast all night long, carrying you through all the, whatever the Jazz do. We'll, we'll carry press conferences live of players that they draft, uh, talking with uh, the Jazz Brain Trust and Danny Ainge, as well as uh, Justin Zanuck. I'm sure we'll get up there at some point. So, We'll have a lot going on. All right, so coming up next, we'll round out hour one as we typically do with uh, technical fouls. Uh, we had one that broke just overnight that I am excited to dig into because it goes with a guy that just seemingly can't get out of his own way. We'll get to that next right here on the Saturday Show. You're coming from the street with dirty shoes on your feet. That's a technical foul. If you switch the radio to some modern music show, that's a technical foul. If you touch the thermostat, you'll get hit with a bat. Cause that's a technical foul. You will feel my wrath. That's a technical foul. Personal file, 69, offense. He was giving them the business. A technical foul. All right, time now for technical fouls here on the Saturday show, and we've got some good ones this week. Uh, let's start in chronological order, and uh, I'm going to start with Sarah's actually because this was a crazy one the other night. USA and Mexico playing uh, four red cards. I don't know how many yellow cards were handed out. We had fights in the stands, trash being thrown on the field, four players sent off, yeah, a ripped jersey. It Did you was see this, Michelle insane, no. crazy. US, the whole game needs needs a technical foul. Yeah, the U.S. men's <laughs> national team ended up running over Mexico three nothing. Like they just absolutely just stomped them, but it had all kinds of craziness in it. And from what it looked like, Mexico was just kind of the sore loser. Oh, they went they went to straight beer league mode. It was bad, and like even the fans were chanting like terrible, vulgar things, and that ended up getting the whole game just St- ended. Well, ended. Here, oh <laughs> Here's the thing. Mexico's fans have had a very bad reputation literally for decades now of using a homophobic slur on goal kicks. Mm. FIFA, CONCACAF, all the different uh, people out there have tried to get them to stop. Even their own federation has tried to get their fans to stop. The sad part is it does not stop because the penalties are just not severe enough. Yeah. So, yeah. It, insane scenes down there in Las Vegas. Yeah, it was, it was so bad. And I didn't even watch the game, but I... The, when it happened, I was getting all the social media stuff for it. I'm like, what is going on? Like, I, I was watching. It was poor crazy. Poor refs lost absolute control of that game. Of oh, the fans, boy. of the players. It was bad. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, nuts. All right. Terrifying. Yeah. But, uh, U.S. plays Canada tomorrow. It's called the CONCACAF Nations League. It's just another competition that they 
concocted to to have. Uh, they will play Canada in the final tomorrow night at six thirty. It mainly is the Americas, from what it yeah, seems like. So yeah, so CONCACAF, it stands for the it's Confederation of North America, Central America, and the islands out in the Gulf of Mexico, essentially. That, that's the confederation that exists. So Mexico, U.S., and Canada are the three dominant forces, but you also have Jamaica, Costa Rica. You have little tiny islands like St. Thomas. Like, yeah. So. And there's a European one going on right now, and they're probably looking at us like, Come on, America, yeah, get, the, your, UEFA, get your act together. The UEFA Nat Nations League in their own right, yeah, no <laughs> doubt. All right, Michelle, what do you got for us? Uh, well, it sounds like Friday night was just popping well, here, yesterday. The but the, the sad part is it's not necessarily out of uh, question. of Mexico and U.S., when they get together, crazy crap happens. Oh, totally. It's just it, it's part of the, There are stories of the, of down at Estadio Azteca in uh, Mexico City where the, it's the home base for the Mexican national team when they play games. They, like fans would light up coins and throw them at U.S. players, batteries being thrown, bags of urine being thrown at U.S. players. The history of this, it's been going on forever. Well, I'm just saying it sounds like all of our stories happened last night. So, yeah, like, uh, yeah. Uh, okay. So mine was a Friday nighter as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, New England Patriots player was arrested Friday evening at a security checkpoint at Boston's Logan Airport mm-hmm. after two guns were found inside his carry-on luggage. It's Jack Jones, right? Yep. 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 Nice work, Jack Jones. I mean, this guy is... Uh, He's uh, facing some gnarly, gnarly charges. Unlawful possession of a firearm, carrying a loaded firearm, possession of large capacity feeding device, and possession of ammunition without a firearm identification card. Yeah. Uh, and again, you're trying to get this through airport security. At an international airport, no less. Way to go, Ooh. dude. Yeah. Like, this is just, it, it's a really, really bad look, obviously, to have two loaded guns. In your luggage, it's like, what are you doing? Like, hey, I, I look. Here's the thing: we all know no weapons in your carry-on, uh, and uh, yeah, TSA is pretty pretty diligent on looking at that. I mean, I get stopped all the time for my curling iron, which I suppose, sure, if I stopped for a minute and let that thing heat up. <laughs> It could be a weapon, I suppose. Okay, but here's the thing: this Jack Jones had a pretty checkered time during his college days. He played at USC for two years, mm-hmm. then went to ASU. Came a fourth round pick by the Patriots. Uh, he actually had his season ended due to a violation of team rules last season. Some crazy stuff going on. Yeah, it, he's like the John Morant. Even spent time at Moorpark Community College. Yeah, it just I don't know. And by the way. It, John Morant, 25-game suspension, going to cost yeah. himself potentially as much as, like, with lost salary that he could have made over the time that this is going to all entail, $50 million he could lose out on, potentially. Bad decisions have repercussions, folks. They do. All right. Um, I got one more real quick. Uh, so Bob Huggins, obviously, a couple weeks back, uh, made a, we said gay slurs uh, on uh some very horrible, horrible things. Yeah, on a radio interview, like just awful stuff. Well, he got, had his contract amended. He's essentially on like super, super thin ice because of the contract amendment. It was essentially a year-to-year deal. Well, last night he was picked up uh, by uh, police near Pittsburgh, and he ended up uh, having – so he, he, he was blocking the, the roadway, had a shredded tire in a black SUV, <laughs> uh, 
was asked by the officer to move his car out of the way, out of the lane of traffic so people could get by. Then he does that. Try Then he tries to start to do a three-point turn. It says, when Huggins was operating the vehicle, he was on and off the brake quickly, multiple times jerking the vehicle. He started backing up, almost hitting the wall behind him. Then turn on the police control lights, the patrol lights from the officer. They uh, do field sobriety tests. He ends up having a breathalyzer uh, test. Uh, let's see. After multiple failed attempts, Huggins blew a .210, indicating there was alcohol in his system. That is an insanely high blood alcohol content level, and he is now uh, facing all kinds of, uh, of repercussions of this decision. Because, like I said... This could be the final straw that breaks the camel's back, proverbially, for a guy like that. Because yeah. when you do what you did on radio, I already put you on thin ice, and then this, whole nother deal. Yeah, uh, that that was very, very much a, oh, the ice is thin? Well, it's still there. Let's skate. Yeah. Uh, you know, I am a big believer in second chances and, you know, people sure. make mistakes and, you know, say things or do things that are unsavory at times. Uh, but there are also other times where when someone tells you who they are, it's best to just believe them. And that might be that kind of a case in this case. You know, see, officers observed uh, empty beer cans and a white garbage bag on the front passenger side floorboard of Huggins' vehicle. In the trunk was another white garbage bag of empty metal beer cans. So, ugh, not uh, good. That, that is a lot of beer yeah. to consume. One. Well, I was thinking about this, like, who knows? But, yeah, he failed the test multiple, like, filled sobriety test, then taken into custody. We'll see what happens. But it, this screams to me that this may ultimately end the 69-year-old's career. And he's had a very long and a pretty good career as a college basketball coach, but has not been without controversy. And two, I think the, the radio interview was just, like, five or six weeks ago. So this is, this is two back-to-back incidents in a very short period that ultimately could cost him that opportunity. We'll see. But yeah, sad scenes. And yeah, Friday night apparently. Crazy. It, crazy was, times. it was wild yeah. last night. Yeah. All right. Uh, we will come back on the other side. We are going to be joined by Hank Mondaka. He is a former University of Utah punter trying to uh, help out underprivileged youth, especially in the football realm. Michelle had a really cool thing she did on her podcast with him, also an article. Uh, we figured, you know what? Let's have him on the radio and talk a little bit further about that. So we'll have him on next. This is the Saturday show right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Welcome back in, guys. You are listening to the Saturday show on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Up next, we have a very special guest, a good friend of mine. Uh, and as I mentioned in my podcast not too long ago, uh, he kind of helped me get this job in a way. So uh, networking is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely do it. Two hey, thumbs up. Who you know is better than what you know sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> and if you got both going for you, yes. even better. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, let's welcome in Hank Mondaka. He has a charitable foundation called Athletes for Life. And uh, he, he runs these very special football camps that we want to talk about. So, Hank, how are you? I'm doing great. Good morning, you guys. 
Morning to you, Hank. All right, so I, I actually watched the podcast you and Michelle did on the Crimson Corner not too long ago, and Michelle was like, "Hey, we have to get Hank on the radio show. So make it happen." I, I, said, I, I told her, "Like, let's get this. Let's get this thing. <laughs> let's get. Let's make it happen." Uh, can you explain exactly what your? I'm I'm going to kind of give you the thirty thousand foot question here. Can you explain exactly what your overarching goal is with what you're doing with your foundation, et cetera? Absolutely. First of all, I want to thank you guys for having me on and uh, getting a chance to talk about it. Um, it's platforms like yours that are going to help us grow and get this word out. What we're trying to accomplish is to help the uh, the children, the kids on reservations across the country. Um, obviously, we can't cover it all, but we would like to um, teach them the way that we kind of grew up on how to survive, how to to um, have some faith, have some uh, some hope uh, for themselves. Um, when we started in Pine Ridge, we were just going to go help uh, a football team, their coaches, and um, the players. Well, little did we know we were going to become friends. We were going to get involved with families. We were going to get involved with the community. Um, and so now um, it's turned into – a very, very fruitful cause. Um, we're trying to instill in these kids um, some some sort of, of um, like I said, some faith and hope, because those are the things that they do not have. You know, when we talk about kids on the reservation, um, what do they have? I, I tell people nothing, but people automatically think, okay, homes, cars, whatever, you know, monetary value items. But no, it's the intangibles, um, faith, hope, pride. They, these kids didn't even know what the word pride meant. Um, and the suicide rates are, are through the roof. Um, uh, unfortunately, they see this as a, a good way out, and we want to curtail that. We want to give them some hope. And, and through athletics, teach them the intangibles that you learn through, through athletics as well, you know, the teamwork, the respect, the discipline, things that uh, naturally come along with, with participating in sports. Now, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but I I don't think people fully understand, you know, explain Pine Ridge specifically, because I think Pine Ridge is a little bit more of a gnarly story and situation than what you're about to deal with, which we'll get to in just a minute. But talk, talk about the living conditions in Pine Ridge. Sure. Well, um, in 2018, uh, my uh, former high school teammate, Joe Pena, uh, was on vacation in South Dakota, and he met a gentleman, and he was a coach at a high school called Red Cloud on Pine Ridge Reservation. And um, they talked about helping out and what we can do or what Joe can do to help, and um, he pursued that, that relationship, and, and Red Cloud eventually turned him down. But two miles away was Pine Ridge High School. Mm. Now, Pine Ridge Reservation um, is on the border of South Dakota and Nebraska. Um, there is a town in Nebraska, it's slipping my mind, it's about a 15-minute drive. It's not very far. But they had three liquor stores, little mini-marts. And Pine Ridge is a dry reservation uh, for obvious reasons. And people would go there to, to purchase their alcohol and either make it across the border or they didn't. But these three liquor stores... Um, 99% of their business came from people on the res. So to get away from the hope and despair that, that they live every day, they would, they would just drink. And I had um, student-athletes late for practice, and I'd say, hey, man, you know, you okay? Everything all right? I could tell he'd been crying. 
And he would say, um, yeah, you know, my dad's on my case. And I said, well, everything all right? He says, well, my dad just thinks I'm wasting my time coming out here. You know, he, he, he drinks all day, and he, and he tells me I'm wasting my time playing around on the grass, that I'm just going to end up just like him and just like my grandpa. And so not only do they have nothing um, or any faith, but it's a detriment. You know, they're, they're, they're taught that, um, you know, if you stay here, you're going to end up like us. So we encourage them to get off the reservation if they want to make it, whether it's school or a job. Um, and it's hard. It's very, very difficult for them to leave home. We've had a few student-athletes attend college, come back only because they, they missed their two- or three-year-old child, and that's reality there on the road. Um, you have people anywhere from 13 to 17 people living in a trailer. Um, that trailer um, has no heat. Um, they have water. Um, but those conditions are, are typical of, of that particular reservation. And um, when you see this, it's very, very eye-opening. Um, their downtown consists of a post office, a grocery store, a pizza hut, subway, and a gas station. The gas station is the main hangout. You know, they have a little mini-mart there, um, but that's where the community meets. And eventually we got to, to know some of the community there. They, they really um, welcome up, welcomed us with open arms after three years. Um, when we arrived there, the first camp, um, these kids were told, hey, here comes the white man again. You know, you, you, you don't look him in the eye. Don't, don't listen to what they say. They're, they're going to be gone just like all the other nonprofits that get government funds. They come here for a year, and um, we won't see them again. So be careful. And, and I found this out from players two or three years down the road. They said they knew you were coming, and they warned us. And so the first year, they, you know, we were wondering why these kids weren't looking us in the eye. And, you know, they were, they were very obedient. You know, it was, it was like coaching kids in the 70s, which was a refreshing uh, opportunity for us as coaches. But we had to earn our respect. And we had to earn our way into that community um, through our persistent year-after-year uh, year return uh, trips. And um, now it's flourishing. And what a natural way to to fit um, the spinoff from what Joe started uh, into the Utah venture. And that's what I was going to ask you about here, Hank. So now you guys are bringing essentially the kind of the same idea, but bringing it closer to home here in the state of Utah to the Uinta Ore Reservation out in the basin area. Uh, you mentioned the fact that you kind of that was the inspiration for it. Are the are the situations comparable? How are they different? Like, what are we looking at here? Well, it, it, the conditions are not as bad. Um, I visited the reservation with um, with our our committee guy uh, who, who, who this, this whole trip could not be made possible, but his name is Cameron Kutch. His father, Forrest Kutch, is on the presidential committee for the University of Utah. Um, we could do, still do some help. You know, it, it, it's, it's our, our group, Athletes for Life, that, that will help wherever help is needed. What areas do you, do you, would you like to see us help? And their main focus was on um, the youth, to get the youth comfortable in athletics, to get the youth comfortable to going out for athletics um, once they reach high school because uh, it's a little difficult. They're a little intimidated. And so it's our, our hopes that through these camps we can, um, we can build relationships between the high school student-athletes and the kids on the reservation. That's the hope. 
Um, so it's not as intimidating the first day of school. So they know somebody on, on the football, baseball, or basketball team and um, try to make that transition a little bit easier. And our goal is to be there um, this year with fifth and sixth graders. I think we're going to start. And our goal is to be there when those fifth and sixth graders are juniors and seniors in high school. So they will have been through the program. And hopefully we can see um, a little advance in the number of of Native Americans there on the reservation participating in in athletics. Um, You never know what you're going to find. Now, talk about the cast of characters you have coming in to help with this. Uh, there, there are some fun, some very familiar names if you're especially a Utah fan, but even if you're just a general state of Utah sports fan, uh, there's some names that matter coming up there. Well, you better be careful, Michelle. You're you're one of those characters. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> she is. We're gonna um, we're we're gonna welcome you and um, whatever you bring. Um, to the, the camp um, to let you know Salt Lake City know what we're doing in real time. But we do have some some names that um, who want to get involved in this cause. You know, being able to to give back to the University of Utah has been very, very fruitful for us and, and we're we're very, very proud to do it. Um, names like Jeff Reyes. Jeff Reyes played in the eighties and his claim to fame was he had five sacks against Hawaii at home. And I don't know if that's still part of the record, but it, incredible. I played high school with Jeff Reyes. Um, another guy that uh, um, I played with was Dave Cullody. Dave Cullody went on to play uh, for the 49ers uh, in the late 80s and got a Super Bowl ring. And um, he went on to finish his career in Cleveland for the Browns. Um, so those are guys that went to Pine Ridge. Those are guys I got involved back in the day. And they it was a natural fit for them to, to be a part of this, to, to, to bridge the gap between the Ute reservation community and the University of Utah through athletics. was it, It's just a natural fit. Um, and we, we have some other interests as well. You know, um, a guy named Gene Nickram, who's been, uh, he was, he was more late, late, uh, late seventies. I think um, uh, coach Howard was his last year coaching Gene Nickram, the offensive lineman. Um, but they all want to give back. They all want to be a part of this. And we've also recruited um, Earl Tucker. There's a name that, that not a lot of people have, have thought about in the last 15 years. But, wow, he was the cubby of his day. Mm-hmm. And I like to throw out the other part of that sentence, but, but maybe cubby was the Tucker of this day. You know, he <laughs> okay. was a dynamic returner. He was a dynamic returner, and, and his claim to fame was that he led the nation in both punt returns and kickoff returns. And I don't think anybody's ever done that since. Um, to top it all off, we have a current NFL great um, XU, Jackson Barton. Um, you know, we talked to him last year. He <laughs> he says, you know what, you didn't even have to ask. You know, Gene Nickram and I have been talking, and, and I, I definitely want to be a part of this. And, and we're going we're gonna to have him out as well um, to the camp. And, and those are just a, a few names. Um, Lance Wingert is another youth uh, that played back in the day who's going to give up his time and and, and I want to thank these guys because they are volunteers. They give up their time and, and get nothing in return. Um, I know the satisfaction that they're going to get. I've been through it, and, and I can't wait for them to go through this. Now, Hank, this is awesome because I've got uh, family connections to the Basin area out there near Vernal where the Uinta and Reservation is at. And you guys are doing this in conjunction with Union High School, which is in Roosevelt. Uh when it comes to how people can get involved with it, 
what do you guys need? Where can they donate? Like, what what are the ways people can get involved? I guess the everyday person. Um, well, we could use help of all sorts. Um, we're going to be having fundraisers coming up there in Salt Lake. We're going to have a golf tournament eventually um, next spring uh, to help our efforts. We're going to have um, jacket drives to help the reservation, uh, clothing drives to to give. And I encourage people to go to our website to keep up on our efforts. Uh, the website is athletes, the number four, dot life. We don't use the, the dot com. Again, athletes, the number four, dot life. And they'll be able to see um, information on the camp. Um, there'll be information uh, ongoing all year um, about those efforts that I spoke about. And there's a donation page. And, of course, we can use all sorts of donations. You know, um, we will eventually be targeting some high schools here in California to become involved by giving old equipment mm. that they might not need to use. And we can definitely find some uses for it. Um, I encourage people to to stay up on the, the Lil Youth Conference, which is the Pop Warner team or conference there on, on uh, the Ute Reservation. Um, they're trying to build that back up and that's going to be part of our efforts um as part as part of fundraising to help those kids um, get that conference back up and running so again athletes the number four dot life um we take donations from five dollars to fifty dollars um we have several sponsors that are a part of this group in utah um delsco delsco northwest finley resources tower arch capital kitchens and more and CCI, the uh, telecommunications company. So please check us out. You know, if you feel um, that it's a worthy cause, please help us out. If you have any questions, you can contact me. My information's on the website. I'd be happy to talk with you. Um, we have a gentleman that, that did those steps. His name is Mike Livingston. And Mike Livingston called me and said, hey, Hank, you know, I've been a pop water coach here in Salt Lake City for, for 20, 25 years. Um, I want to know what you guys are doing. I want to I wanna, um, see if there's anything I can do to help. He's on our team. He's on our staff. He's going to be running our youth camp. He he has experience um, running Kyle Whittingham's youth camp. So, obviously, it's a natural fit. And if we have a place for you, we'll definitely use you. Unfortunately, it's not going to work out this time, but you have been talking with the current Utah football team. They've been heavily involved in helping, you know, set some things up, get get some connections made. Uh, and I know that the future plans are eventually, you know, turning this into an, a perhaps NIL opportunity uh, with current players and, and getting some of the current coaches on staff to come up and help. How important is it to you uh, to see – that connection with the current athletes, the current coaching staff, and the Ute Tribe outside of, like, the Ute Proud game and actually getting them together to where they can talk to each other and, and get to know each other? Well, I think it's huge. I think it's huge for these kids to be able to see, touch, and feel current players and coaches, the people that they've been watching, the people that they've been um, throwing the football in the backyard emulating like we did as kids, you know, um, to give them a sense of pride um, that that this team, those players, are wearing the circle and feather. You know, um, the intangibles again. You know, are are infinite as far as the pride that we hope they would feel. And you know, this is our first go around, and the timing was a little off um, with the Utah youth camps. 
Um, but when I reached out to Kyle Whittingham, he was all over this. He thought, what a wonderful thing you guys are doing. He was very, very proud of, of our efforts. And he, he basically said that, you know, whatever you need, let me know. Well, the timing obviously was a little off, but um, I, we've set the foundation with several players and several coaches and the, the NIL plan. Um, so next year, uh, we, not, we may not wait until summer. We might do something right after the season. I don't know. Um, but, yes, they are definitely in the works, and so stay tuned. Now, I need to just acknowledge this. So I was looking up Pine Ridge and their high school. I had no idea their mascot were the Thorps, mm-hmm. Jim Thorpe. And I'm a I think I, I, a lot of people think I did communications in college. I did not. I actually kind of fell into this career in a way. Uh, but I actually studied history. And in particular, I like the early 20th century. And Jim Thorpe is a huge part yeah. of that. Maybe the greatest athlete who literally ever lived in United States history. It's cool to have that be their that have that as their mascot. That's an incredible, incredible I think mascot to have for Pine Ridge. You know, you can see it on paper, and you can get a little touch or feel like you just did. Yeah. But boy, talk about a marketing opportunity, huh? Sure, absolutely. Um, yeah. Oh, absolutely. But the pride they take in in, in being called the Thorps is it's awesome. It's one of the things that they look forward to uh, there in Pine Ridge. It's um, I don't know when they 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 made that name, but it, it's a natural fit and mm-hmm. to. To talk about a role model, um, he was awesome, and, and they know it, and they're very prideful there. They're a very prideful people, and um, they just need a little nudge or a little little glimmer of hope. Um, I still keep in touch with these kids from five years ago. You know, they still call me. They still, um, hey, coach, you know what? I, I'm I'm on the bus headed to a championship. I'm a little nervous, you know, and and I'll I'll talk to him, and he'll say, hey, you know what? This guy sitting next to me didn't play football, but you know he's nervous too. Can you talk to him? I mean, when you coach and you give back in, in, in this aspect, you really don't know what comes back to you. And it's things like that, that that touch your heart and pull on your strings that make you think that you're doing a little bit right and that you should keep keep going and, and, and affect some more lives like that. And, um, yeah, Jim Thorpe, what a wonderful athlete, and, and he's all over that, that school. Um, yeah. Thank you for thank you for bringing that up. Well, I just I the thing is I I've read enough of things about Jim Thorpe. Like I never had obviously the opportunity to watch him play, but there are so many contemporary reports of him and the different professional sports he played. Like we're talking professional in multiple arenas. What a legend! And yeah, I think it's a great thing for them to obviously ho- hopefully live up to that ideal in particular. And it's cool that you guys are trying to help out with that as well. Yes, it was it was a good fit, great fit. You know, I wanted to point out also um, part of our football camp that we're doing here um, on the Ute Reservation is we're we're instilling a mental health skills portion. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you'd be interested to know that the person heading this up um, is a gal named Lisa Mitzel. And for those of you who remember or don't remember, Lisa Mitzel was an All-American gymnast back in the mid '80s. She was she was a part of that three or four or eight-time national run, whatever the hell was. <laughs> um, she was phenomenal to watch. She's our age. Um, and she's going to be uh, taking 30, 40 minutes with the student-athletes and teaching them about mental health skills. And she's also going to spend 30, 40 minutes once we hit the grass with the community that shows up uh, to talk about to talk to the parents about the same. And we think that's going to be huge. We think that's going to be a great addition to what we're trying to accomplish. 
And um, so I wanted to throw that out there. Um, Lisa runs a, a company called Zen Tiger Mind, and she's doing a, a phenomenal job with it. Uh, we talked about the pride there is with Jim Thorpe at Pine Ridge. Obviously, there's also this pride in being a University of Utah Ute as Correct. an athlete. Yeah. Uh, and and I think there's pride on the reservation as well that the flagship university in the state uh, takes their name and gives them a little bit of a platform to share their culture and, and some of the things that they do with like the Ute Proud game, doing the halftime show. From your standpoint, what does it mean to you to be able to kind of further bridge that gap and maybe help continue building the relationship so that it's longstanding, you know, into the future? Well, as an ex-athlete, um, you know, you, you wear circle and feather and you become prideful of it. I mean, it just, it just automatically happens. And when you're able to give back, um, we are very, very fortunate to be able to give back to a living entity that, that, we wore on our helmet that we sweated for, that we bled for, that some of us broke bones for and gave our all um, and, and took a big part of our life. Those are memories that we will, we will die with. And um, to be able to give back is just, it is a tremendous feeling of, of pride um, to have it all in, in, intertwined. You know, when I talk to people up at the university about our, our venture here, um, they say, you know, I'm glad, I'm obviously happy with what you're doing, but, you know, we should be doing more for them. You know, we, we, we are, we should be, we should be honoring them a little bit more. We should have, we should be more cognizant of what they bring, what we're, what we're allowed to wear for them, um, what we represent with the circle and feather. And um, there's some arguments about the double block you, but that's probably for another broadcast <laughs> but, um, it's very prideful it's very it's very uplifting it's very fulfilling and, and it, it drives me and i know it drives all these guys that i just mentioned and it's going to drive them more so once they get this first camp under their belt all right well hank i really appreciate you jumping on and talking a little bit more about you know what it is you're doing and hopefully we get you a, a few more people interested in wanting to help and in, in getting involved because i do think it's a worthy cause and there is something I think truly great about being Ute proud as a as a Ute student, yeah. uh, not an athlete, but a Ute student myself. Uh, there, there is just a certain amount of pride, and and getting to showcase that and give back to that means the world. Absolutely, you know what I want to thank um, the new coach at Union High School, Coach Dustin Long, and the athletic director Jesse. Um, I want to thank them for giving us their facilities, and they are phenomenal facilities. We can't wait to to go out there and have fun on that campus. Um, you know, one, th one last thing I want to say, you know, you would have mentioned what does it mean. You know, how many how many football players in the country are able to give back to the logo on their helmet? You know, a lot of them are mascots. A lot of them, a lot of them may have some meaning, but, you know, when you, again, when you wear that circle and feather, it's, uh, it means something, and there's somebody behind that. And I just wanted to leave you guys with that. Well, we appreciate it. And Hank, like I said, we'll, uh, we'll have you on again. Absolutely. Because I'd love to talk actually more about Utah football itself with you because you have history. You played in the 80s. You can, you can kind of track 
the entire rise of the Utah football program. We'd love to talk to you more about that. But best of luck with the camp out there in the basin, and we will plan on talking with you down the road, all right? Hey, thank you very much. There you go. Hank Mundaka. Cool stuff, by the way. Yeah. Like, that's just, it's it's awesome to see them. It's this whole tangible thing, like, being able to give back. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? The University of Utah football program represents an entire group of people that live in this state. So it's mm-hmm. fun to have that as part of the part of the deal in all of this. Yeah, it's a cool story. Uh, I know this has been in the works for a while. Uh, I happened to just stumble on the Pine Ridge story, uh, which was just incredible. Uh, if if you haven't seen that article, this was obviously before I came on with KSL. Yeah. Uh, I did it with Ute Zone, but I I went into a lot of detail as to the history and why Pine Ridge is the way that it is, uh, and, and and just really tried to set the stage as to what they had to overcome to try and get through to some of these kids and into that community. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's a tremendous story, and, and I'm excited that it's now going to have a Ute twist to it yeah. with former Ute players that as you mentioned, have kind of represented this entity uh, for for years and years and years. Yeah, no doubt about that. All right, we will come back on the other side, though. But once a big thank you to Hank Mondaka. It's athletes number four dot life. If you want to go check it out, I actually went over the website. It's actually a really good setup. Got all the details of the camp they're going to be having here uh, a week away, roughly, uh, from now. So uh, check that out. All right, we will come back on the other side. We will get into five minutes of, cover some of the other topics we have not had a chance to cover quite yet on today's show. This is the Saturday show right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Hope you all are doing well out there on this Saturday morning. Uh, Jake and Michelle along for the ride uh, as we uh, dig in now to five minutes of. And Michelle, an interesting story coming from Colorado. Now, Colorado's been all over the headlines in college football for good reason. Uh, Deion Sanders, a.k.a. Coach Prime, has just really reinvigorated a program that's been downtrodden is a kind term, I would say. Like, been really, really down. I'm a case of being at the highest of highs Mm -hmm. with some national championships and then just uh, tanking in the worst way possible. Um, But so story breaking yesterday, the Deion Sanders, who he had uh, blood clot issues during his time at Jackson State, actually ultimately resulted in him having two toes amputated because of circulation issues. Uh, during that time there. He actually missed three games uh, during the middle of the season when that happened. Uh, but apparently he could lose his left foot as a, result, as a result of circulation issues that forced him to have those two toes amputated in 2021. Uh, he allowed camera crews with the pregame show to film a meeting with his medical team at the University of Colorado where he's preparing for his first season. In an 11-minute 11, 11 segment, uh, he met with multiple doctors, an orthopedic surgeon, a vascular surgeon, uh, as well as an athletic trainer to, to discuss his daily pain level. And they says, quote, you just have to understand that the risks are high. Things can cascade, said one of the doctors, adding that Sanders might not just lose another toe, but could, quote, like, quote, could lose the foot. 
crazy, crazy stuff. Now, Sanders, uh, I guess in the, I haven't watched the clip, but he did say this. Well, I know what the risks are. I only have eight toes, so I'm pretty sure I understand. <laughs> Get Dion. <laughs> oh, good, good old Neon Dion. Well, apparently he has no feeling in the bottom of his left foot. That is wild. Uh, and then he sa- he did say, I guess, if a procedure is recommended, he wants it done right away because once the season starts, he's going to be, quote, too busy. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. He's not wrong, but... But it, it feels a little cavalier because yeah. it sounds kind of serious. <laughs> you know, I'm, I am may have to have my foot amputated, but that's going to happen. Let's do it. Let's go right let's, now. Let's rip the Band-Aid off now. <laughs> I just... I, I don't. I don't mean to. Like, I'm with you. I don't mean to laugh. I, right. But yeah, you're right. It, it's just it, this is being handled in such a Dion yes. way. It would be interesting to catch him a little more in private. Sure. Um. I mean, I I like I like that he's handling this in a lighthearted way because yeah. I think you know for a lot of people this is super devastating. Like I said, it would be interesting to catch him like with the cameras not on. Yeah. And ask him about it, because uh, I think you might get a little bit of a different response. But, I, I mean, you know, this is, this is a topic of, I, again, I'm, I'm giggling and I'm laughing. It's, sure. not, it's not a funny thing. But I think there is an element of, you know, taking something that sucks yeah. and, and making it light could really help other people that are facing that when your life gives you lemon you make lemonade out of it he's trying to he's trying to i think accomplish that just in an unorthodox fashion i guess is, is what it's saying. which is par for the course well, sure and he <laughs> trust me like we all know this dion if you watch his playing career you've watched him in his life beyond football and coaching he doesn't march to the beat of anybody but his own drum Mm-mm. and in some ways that's actually it's admirable because he's just he, that's how he approaches it. and to his point, he's had incredible success by and large. He's had, had some failures along the way, but the coaching side of things, he made Jackson State a national program. Like, he made them relevant on a national stage, which is not easy to do for an HBCU. No, not not anymore. Not not since Alabama wrecked them. Yeah, no doubt about that. Since since you love history so yeah. much. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, it, it changed a few things. It did. Yeah. Uh, very much changed the complexion of what HBCUs yeah. were in the football world, for sure. Yep. Um, other things you need to talk about here is the U.S. Open is underway. And I've got to say, Ricky Fowler is the feel-good story of this. We had the, we had the whole uh, Michael Block thing in the PGA Championship. This guy who's a teaching pro in California goes out and makes a run to the PGA Championship. Well, a guy like Ricky Fowler has been around golf forever. Mm-hmm. Most of us remember him in those bright fluorescent orange outfits with the hair coming out. He's matured now, but he's having an incredible run. Uh, he is currently leading the tournament. He's 10 under after a really, really wild second round. We're talking, it was like, it looked at his scorecard. It was like birdie bogey, birdie bogey. Just a, 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 like very few pars. It was yeah. feast or famine for him out there at LA Country Club. But he leads the tournament now, and uh, he'll be obviously looking to win his first career major title if he can pull it off. There's still two rounds to go. But it's fun to have guys like this who have been around the game of golf for a long time, was at one point considered to kind of be, quote unquote, the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't necessarily accomplish what I think he probably had in his mind and most of us thought he was going to accomplish, but kind of a late career resurgence here for a guy that's one of the fun characters on the tour. 
You know what? We we love a good comeback story. And it sounds like that's exactly it. I'm I'm not terribly terribly familiar in the world of golf, but I mean, who doesn't who doesn't love I, I we just talked about Deion Sanders. Yeah. Who doesn't who doesn't love a character in a sport uh and seeing them have some level of success. Well, and Ricky does have a connection to the state. Uh, one of his sets of grandparents lives in St. George. He yeah. actually owned, at, w- at least at one point, he owned the course scoring record at Sunbrook, I believe, down there in the St. Huh. George area. Uh, there was, at one point when his grandparents were living, I don't know if they still are, right. but when they did, they had a banner on the back of their thing. PK's seen it with his own eyes. It oh says, uh, we are so proud of you, Ricky. Like It was when Aww. he was making runs and whatnot. So he's got a connection to the state and... It's it's a fun story because, like I said, this guy at one point was considered to kind of be the the next big thing in golf, mm-hmm. and it, it never really materialized. He won a couple of tour championships, was considered one of the, like the quote unquote fifth major, but he's never won an actual of the four majors. And obviously, he's only one stroke up on Wyndham Clark. Uh, Xander Shoffley is there at uh, eight under, along with Rory McIlroy, so he's gonna have to fend off a bunch of really really good golfers. But to be sitting on the 36-hole lead, that, that, that's, not, that's not nothing because he set a uh, U.S. Open record with his 62 on Thursday. That's so cool. So. Uh, that's, <laughs> I, that's so cool. We'll, we'll see if he can, like I said, fend, fend some of those guys off. Uh, th- those are some names yeah. that, that he's going to have to kind of keep at bay. Uh, but even even if he doesn't like just to kind of as you mentioned get to this point mm-hmm. uh and have a lead is a pretty big deal. Yeah, Tony Finau is sitting in 11th place currently at 3 under par. Uh he will tee off at 3:45 p.m. Uh Ricky Fowler and Wyndham Clark, obviously the, the champion the the top 2, uh they will be teeing off at 4:40. I got to say though, Michelle, just this is me. I, I you know I'm a big golf person. I'm loving the fact that I can watch golf well into the evening because it's on the West Coast. They're playing down there at Los mm-hmm, Angeles mm-hmm, Country mm-hmm. Club, which, by the way, have you guys read the story on the LACC down there, like the the background of that that country club? It sits like right near Beverly Hills, and the land it's on, Michelle, they say conservatively could be worth $8 billion on the open market. Gosh. <laughs> Yeah, we talked about it on Jake and Ben yesterday and yeah. the rules oh, that's the that go behind it. Yeah. But going off of the money, yeah. it's like the second most expensive piece of land behind Central Park. Yeah, it's not wow. it's not developed for for housing in the United States. Right. It's like Beverly Hills is right there. Um there are like the houses that border this Michelle millions upon millions of dollars. Oh no doubt. Like so it's and yes, the 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 exclusivity of this of this club <laughs> 800 members, a $250,000 initiation fee. If you do get in, which you have to go through multiple rounds of interviews to get in in the first place. What? And then it's twenty five grand in annual dues beyond that. Uh, you have to wear, quote, tailored pants, unquote, at all times, no matter how hot it is, no shorts on the course. Cannot change your shoes in the parking lot. You can take phone calls in two places, either in your car or in a booth that's in the locker room, like an enclosed booth, like... There. You have to wear a sports jacket oh, yes. after like 6 p.m. If you're over seven years old. <laughs> yeah, this doesn't sound like a place I would want to hang out at. It's, it's, uh, I'm a child and I like my comfort. It's a pretty highfalutin place. It's, it's just it's kind of a crazy thing, but I, I will admit majors on the West Coast are fun because, like I said, it allows me to like, watch it all day. Ricky, Ricky and Wyndham Clark, they will not be done till. 8.45, 9 o'clock tonight. 
huh. like with their round. So it's fun to have that option, like to be able to just turn it on and you watch the, the entire evening. Uh, a lot of people out there, it's Father's Day weekend this weekend, by the That's way. True. Happy Father's Day to everybody out there. Uh, a lot of dads like to watch golf. Well, this allows them to essentially spend their evening on Sunday watching golf if they, if they so desire. Hey, if you're into that sort yeah. of thing. Which I <laughs> Jake I'll be, is. I'll be watching. Michelle is not. I, I here's the thing. Golf. I'm not either. By the way, <laughs> y'all need Michelle. to get y'all need to get into golf. Come on now. It, you know what? It's really great if I need to take a nap. <laughs> Background noise puts me right to sleep. Okay. That soft golf clap. is my level of uh, experience with golf. We're gonna have to get you guys out on the links and go play. It'd be fun to play with both of you. You, like, you say that now. Michelle, you be, no, here's the thing. <laughs> I've had so many people tell me, like, you, like, I, I just enjoy going. I don't care who I'm playing with. It's just fun to be out, like, outside and everything. I, I took my kids to the driving range last night. Aww. I'll drive the golf cart. I know. I'm going to fight you for that, right? Hey. That's my favorite part, too. <laughs> That's Mrs. Hatch's best favorite part of, of the whole thing, too. I can tell you that much. But it, it's, I don't know. It, it, it's fun to see this. And obviously, we'll be tracking Ricky. Uh, Tony Finau was in this. Uh, by the way, Preston Summerhays, if that last name sounds familiar, he's part of the famed Summerhays that live here locally. He plays at ASU. He was playing in this. He did get cut uh, after shooting back-to-back 73s. But uh, good to see him competing against the world's best. Is that the family that owns the fish and chips place? That I, That part I don't know. I know the summer, like Bruce Summerhays was a legendary golfer, played on the on the senior tour. He's had his a bunch of his sons. Danny Summerhays played on the PGA tour for a long time. He's on mm-hmm. the Corn Ferry tour. They're all over. His by the way, Preston Summerhays' sister. Preston has won the has won the state amateur. His sister Grace is going to be an LPGA golfer at some point. Probably she's won the women's amateur here in the state of Utah. This is like the first family of golf in this state. The Summerhays clan. Interesting. Well, if you guys own the fish and chip place in Holiday, it's fantastic, and I love going there. Thank you. So is it called Summer Haze? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, Michelle, I did not know this place existed. I love fish and chips, and I know where I'm going for lunch today. I can tell you that much. Have good clam chowder, too. Oh, you just made my day, Michelle. All right. I got something out of today's show. That was was great. (laughs) We'll wrap it up next. This is the Saturday show right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Don't want you for the weekend. Don't want you for a night. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on 97.5 FM, DKSL Sports Zone. Hope you all are doing well on the Saturday. The show's falling by once again, Michelle. I know. Two hours in the books almost. Um, before we go real quick, uh, so Sarah said in the break she's watching, Was it, you said Norway and Scotland, right? Yes. So they're playing in the, is it UEFA Nations League, is that what they call it? Something, I think something. so. It's it's kind of, the, but um, so I was like, like, she's like, well, Norway was up one nothing, and all of a sudden Scotland's up 2-1. I'm like, well, it's probably Erling Holland who's really gotten Norway going because he's he scored fifty two goals this year. He said he set a record for a club season for Manchester City. He's twenty two years old. He is the next big thing in soccer. 
Like, just watch this dude. Like, he he's already an incredible player. He's 22 years old. He could play for another 10 years, and who knows what records he might obliterate in that time. Jeez. Yeah, ah, to but, be, man, they to be fell so apart. Talented. Yeah. Like, well, here's the thing. Norway, not necessarily the strongest soccer entity out there. Uh, they are more known for their winter sports, as we all know, in the Winter Olympics. They seem to win every, um, what is it, uh, cross-country skiing event known to man. Well, you don't have a ski event, Nordic skiing, yeah. named after you if you you're know. not good at it. Yeah, so, yeah. so it, crazy, crazy <laughs> stuff. I was actually, I just pulled up a thing. Uh, apparently he, like, because he, he was just like a normal dude in Norway. Apparently, like, he, like, people in Oslo where he lives, like, in the off-season, Oslo, Norway, people are just kind of like, hey, it's, it's, yeah, it's early. He's right over there if you want to go talk to him. Like, he doesn't, like, apparently have, like, people, like, around him at all times, like, huh. protecting him from the public. So well, must be nice. Yeah. Seriously. Be a celebrity and have that. Well, and that, Freedom. Still have freedom. Yeah, be able to move about and do everything. He owns a $2.6 million pound apartment, though, in Oslo, so. Yeah, the game just wrapped. Scotland won. Yeah, the Scots came back. All right, well, yeah. So I just got yeah, like, apparently, like, he, like, it's not uncommon for him to, like, walk out of this apartment. Apparently, like, kids would be, like, holding the jersey and he'd just sign it for him and everything. Aww. He's a real dude. That's the thing yeah. about that. It's, like, you appreciate athletes who live their life in that way. Like, they're willing. They're 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 accessible. At least try to be. Sure. It's, it's, sometimes it's a little impossible. Well, but yeah. but the ones that try, we see you and we appreciate you. They they make an effort. At least that's the biggest thing is they they try and do that. All right, Michelle. Any final thoughts from you before we go on this edition? No. Okay. I, I, th- I think we pretty well. I think we covered everything. Seemed like it. So, uh, <laughs> by the way, big thank you to Hank Van Daka once again. Mm-hmm. Fun to have him on and let him kind of tell the story of his inspiration for doing what he's doing. Because uh, let's be honest, it's not an easy thing to do, but they're making a big impact at the same time. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, these are places I, I've talked about before. Uh, when we talk about our native tribes here in the U.S., they're kind of our forgotten minorities. Yeah. Uh, his, history says, you know, they they got put on this land and and kind of haven't been thought about since. And and obviously, there's some some problems and some issues there that need to be addressed. And and I think people should be aware of. So. Yep. So uh, check that out. Athletes for number four dot life. It's not a dot com. It's athletes for dot life. If you want to get involved with that really fun camp coming up out there in uh, Roosevelt at Union High School. I'd encourage you guys to check that out. Uh, big thank you to Sarah for producing this week. Of course, we'll be back next week. Who knows what we'll have on the docket at that point, Michelle. But nonetheless, uh, rejoin us then. Make sure you keep it locked right here on the zone all week long, though. DJ and PK, Jake and Ben, Hans and Scotty, Unrivaled. Got you covered every single day right here on 97.5. FM, the KSL Sports Zone. See ya. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.